This is an SJC Radio production. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, welcome to uh, episode 10 of season 8 of Pit Stop. Uh, at present, it's just myself and Finn. Joe might be joining us. I know he's playing cricket. Uh, he said he'd join us when he gets back, so Joe might appear at any time. Right, Finn, we've got lots to get through because it was a very, very busy weekend. We're going to start off. Okay, actually, I'll tell you what. What motorsport, if any, have you been watching? There we go, Finn. I watched the uh, all the I watched all the F one except the practice. That that's good. And I watched a bit of the MotoGP. Good. I'm glad you watched the F one because um, if Joe doesn't pitch up, because uh, I I haven't seen any of the Formula One at all. I haven't even seen one mm-hmm. second of it. So I'm I'm sort of relying on you to sort of fill us in about about that. Right, the Spa Weck. We're going to start off uh, with a chat I had with my brother uh, a couple of days ago. Right, so um, Stephen, uh, Spa six hours. It was a yeah. the result was a, a a one two for for Toyota. A Ferrari was third. Um, also, history was made, of course, in the GTEM category. There was the first ever female winner for in, in the WEC. That was Lilu Wardo uh, in a Ferrari. Can you tell us, mm-hmm. give us a sort of brief recap of the race? Yes, well, um, I suppose going into the race, um, we would have probably expected to have a, a Toyota Certainly a Toyota win, probably on, an, on normal events, um, a Toyota one and two. And that's really how it turned out. Toyota uh, number seven won the race. That was on pole. Um, and Toyota number eight came second, which started from the back of the grid. Um, I mean, we were all hoping that Ferrari would would uh, give, give the Toyotas a challenge. And I think in qualifying, they certainly had the speed to do that. But in the event, I think the race was probably won before the race had even started. Or certainly the result was probably set before the race had started because... In the morning, it was damp, and uh, there was a bit of a split decision on tyres. So some teams went for slicks, and some teams went for wets. Now, um, Toyota went for slicks. One of the Cadillacs went for uh, slicks, but um, 
that Toyota, sorry, the Ferraris went for wets. Now, when I've looked back at the race, uh, certainly on, on, on the YouTube highlights, it didn't seem wet enough for wets. Mm. There was no spray coming yeah. off on that warm-up lap. So I think the decision to do off on wets was probably not the best one. So what happened half an hour in is that all those that started on wets had to change to dries. Now, I think Ferrari were, 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 could have done this a bit quicker. I think they were a bit late yeah. to change the dries anyway. So they had the, the time of changing tyres plus with this new rule where you can't put on hot tires or, or the tires uh, tire warmers are banned it took them an absolute age to get the tires up to temperature in the cold conditions and in fact ferrari was so hopeless on their on their cold tires that i thought at one stage they were actually going to break down it was going so slowly up the start finish straight but unfortunately they, they lost a lap yeah, um, yeah in that first hour and i think that really set set the course for the race um and Although the final result says they were on the lead lap, as was the fourth place Porsche, I think that was only really because of the the number of um, uh, yellow flags and, pay and safety cars we had that actually brought them back onto the, onto the lead lap. But I think had had it gone green for most of the race, I think the Toyota would have led uh, or won by you know uh, certainly a lap or two maybe in the final result. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean the race was punctuated by three large accidents, which resulted in. Uh, safety car coming out. We had um, the the big Cadillac crash at Eau Rouge. Mm. Uh, we had the Chat Villeneuve in the Van Wall had a big crash uh, right. coming out of Stavolo. And we also that's had, right. Of course, we had the Ferrari as well on cold tires out. The that's right. Crashing. So it was those yeah. three safety car periods which, which bunched the filled up. I mean. After about three hours, we had almost the top ten almost all together, didn't we? On one of the restarts, we did. Yeah, we, 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 we did. Yes, and we thought, oh, great, this is going to be, uh, you know, uh, they're all together. It's going to be exciting race to finish. But unfortunately, what we what we hadn't factored in was the fact that during the safety car period, pits are closed. So as they set them off again after the pace car had come in, of course, um, the Ferrari had to pit. So of course we, we we lost this. We were going to have this grandstand sort of last sort of two or three hours. Of course, it didn't really really happen that way. But um, uh, but I, I think, and certainly though, I mean, I know that when we were out there, weren't we? We were saying, gosh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of safety cars here. I hope this isn't going the American yeah. style where they yeah. throw a safety car when perhaps you don't need one, and uh, it bunches the field up again. But those all those crashes were genuine safety were. cars, particularly the Cadillac one, which was horrendous actually. Um, that, that uh, you know, that, that, all, crash. that Cadillac's had a bad run of form because um, that car last raced uh, at, uh, at Long Beach in the IMSA Championship and Bourdais crashed out on the first corner of the first lap. And yes. That, 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 that yes. big crash at, uh, at Eau Rouge. Um, That's right. I mean, the, 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 apparently the car was fine. It wasn't a write-off. This isn't the car they're taking to Le Mans. This is, this is one of the spare test cars they bought. So this isn't the Le Mans car. Right. So. Um, it's not going to be rebuilt for Le Mans. So, um, because, but the shame of it was, it was going well, and um, uh, it did have it did have pace. Yeah, because that car was one of the additional entries, wasn't it? Um, it was. It was. That's right. And, and, um, and I think sensibly, they Cadillac split their strategy. So, having had two, having had two cars, they could go start one on wet, start one on dry. I think that was a sensible thing to do. Actually, start one on each. I, yeah, I don't know why Ferrari didn't do that. Uh, it, it, Exactly, and I think I think this is probably showing up. Probably um, Ferrari, although although the team is very experienced, because of course it's run the GT Pro for years, it's certainly showing experience with this car. I think yeah. 
and uh, it's a bit, you know, a little bit like the Formula One. They're not, you know, it's it's that side of it that's probably letting them down a bit now. So yes, why didn't they have one each? Yeah, try and do a split strategy. I agree. Okay, moving on. Um, what what did we learn from Spa in terms of where the sort of balance of power lies? Um, I think what, what I took away from it was that Toyota are still the gold standard which everyone has to reach. They're fast. They're reliable. You know, this is the third season with this car. And the, the team is, you know, has never has never gone away. So, um, you know, it, it, this team is, is 10 years and, and, and running yeah. and the first season of this car. So they are the standard which everyone to reach. And um, um, I think what we what we did learn was that Ferrari has the pace. There's no doubt about it. the one lap pace. Ferrari absolutely has that. Talk, talking, about, Ferrari is talking about Ferrari's one lap pace. They were actually they they, they got the pole time, but the time was um was disallowed because they exceeded trap limits on that. I think it was coming out of late two. Right. But interestingly enough, although they exceeded trap limits, the exit of, of Lake Coombe, there's a gravel sat, there's a gravel trap there. They would have actually lost time by exceeding trap limits. So, mm. so actually they, they've certainly got that. They've certainly got the one that pace. They should really have been on pole, shouldn't cool. they? Absolutely, absolutely. It's got the speed, no doubt about it. Yeah, it definitely has, and that that that, that bodes well, I think, for um for Le Mans. Um, I, I I don't, I'm not sure. The only the only trouble with it, it's got the one up pace, but it is it seems to be not great at warming up its tires. Between cognizance, I wonder at the more at night how when they stick a new set of tires on, how long that's going to take to to get those tires up to speed because yeah. it, it looked like they were having problems. And of course, although they are four wheel drive they can't deploy that four-wheel drive until a certain speed. So it doesn't really yeah. help them warming up. You can spin them up in the pits, but you, you've got to, I don't know what the speed is, but you can't. So effectively, they're two-wheel drive for, you know, most of the time the tyres are cold. So the four-wheel drive doesn't really help them in that, in that respect. Um, but, you know, it's an impressive car. I heard about it. Okay, moving on to Porsche. What about Porsche? Yeah, Porsche just... Um, Mm, they just not quite got the overall pace. They're just lagging behind a bit. You can just see it in the way the car, just the car is. It just doesn't quite have that that final bit. Um, and also, they've got reliability issues. Number six stopped dead yeah. stick. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's a worry because they got their car out before a lot of these hypercars. Uh, they've done a thousand miles of testing. So why it just suddenly conks out? you know unexpectedly it is a mystery really um we must uh, the other we uh, must mention the jota porsche yes very much so yes the first um the first privateer porsche uh to be to be released by to buy by porsche um they only got the car at the start yeah, of that week right, yeah. so they literally picked it up from Vysac, did some testing bought it at the spa and it 100% justifies the decision to race it straight a lot of people saying oh you know you, you must test it first but actually they were using the race as a test and 100% it finished sixth place. That's a really good result. Um, yeah. It was faultless race. And, uh, you know, what, what, what a great way to test your car before Le Mans. What about, um, uh, let's move on to Peugeot. Oh dear. Yeah. Well, actually Peugeot were a bit, I, I was pleasantly surprised by Peugeot. Um, they just recently changed their gearbox actuation from electronic to hydraulic because they're having all sorts of problems with this, this gear changing mechanism that seems to have sorted their reliability problems all of a sudden the thing looked reliable but well, they haven't got pace um, now, have they doesn't have the pace but um they don't but i'm wondering actually with their their aero concept whether that will come good at le mans without having the rear wing mm. this less draggy kind of uh, underfloor downforce they're producing will that come good at le mans 
I think that's really what they've built the, the car before. But I was pleasantly surprised. It was reliable, both finished, and not, you know, some of the high cars team only had one car finish. You know, it 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 it, it went round reliably. Um, yeah, I was kind of surprised by it. Yeah, I was pleased with it. Yeah, yeah. But however, it is their sixth race. They did three races last season, so they should be in a better position than they actually are. I mean, if but, they, um, I was pleasantly surprised. If they're not competitive, competitive at Le Mans, then they might have to rethink this whole concept of not having a uh, uh, not having a rear ring um yeah and uh, i agree and that's going to be it has to be a whole new car because you, you can make uh joker updates for performance and you can make you can make changes for reliability but to change that whole concept that's that that's new car territory that's not tweaking the existing car so um mm, we'll, we'll have to see on that but um uh interesting car but um it doesn't at the moment have the pace of, of the others and and uh, Cadillac what about Cadillac oops yeah Cadillac love the Cadillacs actually I like the sound yeah. of them I thought they went well they're reliable uh they seem to have the pace of the Porsche maybe they got maybe got a smidgen more than the Porsche yeah. I don't know it's hard to tell but um they're reliable and I think they're going to be there at the end at Lamar definitely and I think um uh I really liked them I like the look at them I love the sound of them um I thought they were great yeah, I was really, really, really impressive. Apparently, um, Cadillac wanted to enter three cars for Spa. The Action Express uh, Whelan car, they wanted to enter that as well, but there weren't enough big out. Yes. So they had some... Uh, that's right. They had some Action Express mechanics in the in the Ganassi pits. Um, getting some that's control. right. That's right. Yeah, it was a shame. Though. I mean, they, they got three cars at Lamar. Again, I think it's sensible. You know, strength in numbers is always good if you're going to do Lamar. You know, I think I think you need three cars. I think it's a mistake to only run two cars, yeah. as some teams are. Um, but yeah, um, I think they'll be there at the end at Le Mans. I think they could be a contender definitely yeah. for for a podium, no doubt about it. Excellent. Um, I think everybody wraps that up. I think what we'll do um, if we get you on because you're going to Le Mans, I'm I, I'm not. If we can get if we can get you on before Le Mans because I know Joe is. Joe has become a, a big WEC fan all of a sudden, so he wants to know all about all about That's WEC. Great so perhaps to hear. he can come back and sort of give us a sort of a beginner's guide to WEC. Love to, yeah, absolutely, I, I absolutely love to. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to my having having been to Spa. I've really given me a. Um, I'm really getting excited now. It's four weeks away, um, and uh, yeah, very much looking forward to it. It's going to be interesting. So we'll, we'll we'll hopefully speak to you in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, we'll do. What I've done here, Finn, because as you know, I was there. Now, yeah, I've made some notes here of personal highlights. So I'm going to read these to you, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll read them out. And if there's any questions you want to ask or anything you want to expand on, please just say. Mm -hmm. So, so going to start on Friday. Um, when we arrived at the circuit, the first thing I've got written down here on Friday is I've written down seeing Jim Glickenhouse in the toilets. As I was leaving one of the toilets in the paddock, Jim Glickenhouse, the owner of the Glickenhaus team, walked by me. As I, as we sort of, as I exited, he, he sort of walked in. Um, I, I wish in hindsight I'd spoken to him. Never mind. Uh, I had oh, a chat to Anthony oh, Davis, yeah, former Formula One driver. Yes, the F1 pundit. Um, he's a commentator for uh, the the way I had a chat to him. I, I I just I just said to him. I just basically said what what a good commentator I thought he was. He was really 
pleased to hear that um very nice chat pillane walkabouts that was really good really busy um i wasn't able to see all the cars because well rather stupidly that well they have a driver autograph session which is really good but they put yeah. the drivers in front of the cars so there's big queues to get the autographs and, and it's quite difficult to see the cars i never saw funny enough the van wall i never saw it because um Jacques Villeneuve races for that team, and of course everybody wanted to see Jacques Villeneuve, so I never even saw that car. But, but I saw the, or I saw the others. Uh, also in the pit lane walkabout, I made sure I got a photograph of my favourite coloured car, the uh, Inter Europol P2 car, and I spoke to one of their drivers, Fabio Scherer. I spoke to, uh, and I basically told him. I just thought the color scheme was amazing. And I also told him I'm going to buy a, a model of that car. He was a very nice chap. Um, right, moving on. So um, there were, okay, Friday afternoon, there were some uh, support races. These were German Port. There was a German Port Super Cup race and a Benelux Port Super Cup race. One of the highlights, Finn, uh, was in the German Port Super Cup race, the leaders went side by side for Eau Rouge. Wow. We were at the bottom of Eau Rouge. I'll tell you what, really, really dramatic watching cars go side by side. Right, another one of the highlights, and perhaps this was, I think for me, maybe the highlight the whole weekend was hypercar qualifying. Uh, again, we watched that from the bottom of Eau Rouge. The Ferrari hypercars were bottoming out the bottom of Eau Rouge sparks were flying i've never seen that before i've never seen i've seen it on television obviously but i've never seen sparks as a car bottoms out the bottom of a rouge that was unbelievably dramatic moving on to sunday on my list here this, this might make you laughing uh waking up at the campsite we had a little family of red squirrels by our tent a uh, mum and two babies that was nice race day was dry which was good but it was cool it was nine degrees felt like eight but I had all the right clothing on, so I felt I felt I felt uh, good. What's the start of the race in the grandstand opposite the pits? We then walked anti-clockwise clockwise around the circuit. It's really good viewing uh, spots at Spa. Perhaps my favourite spot is the inside oh, of yeah. I call it Rivage, the hairpin. You may I think you sell just a really good view there. You're quite close to the cars. There's no fences in the way. Um, Sat in the new grandstand. They yeah. got a new grandstand between La Source and Eau Rouge. Fantastic oh, view course. from there. It's the other way from the exit of La Source uh -huh. to Hill. So that was really good. Um, we sat there. We we spectated there for the last half hour of the race. The last um, sort of forty minutes were were insane. There was so much going on. There were battles for podium positions in in all the classes. There was so much going on. Another interesting thing that we noticed, and I'll talk about this in more detail in a minute, is when the cars yeah. came out of the pits, when they changed tyres, they were very, very slow on their outlaps, and even for a couple of laps after that. And in fact, to the extent that, you know, it looked as if the cars were in trouble. This is because in the WEC, they yeah, don't they... allow tyre warmers. In Formula 1, they have tyre warmers that they banned them in the WEC this year. Um, they're getting rid of them next year in Formula One, aren't they? Tire warmers. I didn't know that. Well, that would be very interesting because 
the hypercars really struggled to get heat and they had no grip at all so in qualifying brendan harley on just one of his warm-up laps in qualifying crashed at the top of eau rouge he was going slowly he lost it in the race um one of the ferraris came out the pits and on the run down to eau rouge lost control and hit the barrier quite Mm -hmm. hard um so it's a bit of an issue in the moment with the WEC because the teams are saying that this is really dangerous. Yeah. Um, I guess particularly in, in it just so happened that on race day, the conditions are very cool. And they found it so difficult to get to generate any heat. And they were going so slowly. It's incredible yeah. how slowly they were going. Um, interesting. I tell you what, it was spicing up Formula One if they, yeah. if they did without tyre warmers because... When you change tires and they're not they're not preheated, there is absolutely no grip. So that would be really interesting if they did that in Formula One. Oh, by the way, did you see the Cadillac crash? No. I put the video on our. Have a look at your uh, Facebook Messenger thing. I put the video on oh. there. The Cadillac had a massive crash at Eau Rouge. It wasn't caused by uh-huh. cold tires, actually. I think it was some power steering issue. But my God, it was it was a big crash. Did you get any food there? I did. Um, let me see. Uh, you got to eat uh, frites with mayonnaise. That's kind of essential. Huh? That's what you do in Belgium. Um, a couple of burgers at the circuit. Yeah, so ate very unhealthily. Um, but um, they're, they're offend- there were more food outlets, thankfully, this year than there were last year. So, yeah, we, we did eat very well. Another highlight, Finn, Sunday morning, the day after the race, uh, we always go into Stavolo, the, the, the local sort of town, mm-hmm. and we have uh, a, a breakfast in a cafe there, and that is so civilised. So it was uh, a fantastic weekend. That was my 49th overseas race meeting, oh. and I tell you what, it was one of the very best I've been to. Loved every second of it. Right, Finn, let's... i tell you what, why don't we yes. just... And I'll tell you what, we will go to MotoGP next because you've watched some of it. So I'll just run through the results very quickly. And then you and I will have a chat about, um, have a sort of, a sort of discussion about various things. So Moto3, uh, that was a win for Ivan Ortola. Um, hmm. Moto2. Uh, Sam Lowe's, that was a bit of a surprise actually. Uh, and most of GP, we had a win for Bagnaya, followed by Binder and Miller. So, Finn, here we go. We'll, we'll do our Motor GP awards contenders for best ride. And we're talking of the weekend, so you can include the sprint race. Uh, I'm not sure, that's a tricky one. What do you think? Right, uh, okay, let's have a think. Well, you've got to say, um, Brad Binder. I mean, he won the sprint race again. And gosh, he he came close to winning the main race. I mean, he was pushing Bagnaia all the way. Um, I did think Bagnaia defended quite well. Bagnaia was very good. Obviously, Miller very good as well. You could argue, if we go across all the categories, we could say Sam Lowe's in Moto2. Nobody expected Mm. that. That kind of almost came from nowhere. You might also say Moto3. Altola. Now that's Altola's second one in a row. And actually, um, is he now favourite to win the championship, Altola? 
best rides let's have a think who should we go for i i let's go brad bender because he won the sprint race and, yeah. and he almost won the um main race yeah okay. biggest surprise of the weekend you could throw sam Rose in there that's good but any other thoughts about biggest surprise Finn? jack Miller. yeah i would i would actually say and it includes jack miller is the performance of the ktm yeah. yeah the ktms have always had good race pace but they've always struggled with qualifying well yeah. they've got qualifying sorted but also they've got the best i think what they call whole shot device off the grid they are rockets off the grid so although yeah. um spark was on pole position and there were in both races four starts because both races are red flagged yeah. um in each of those four starts the ktm shot to the front um yeah. i was reading matt oxley's very good in motorsport he was saying any bike that performs well at Jerez will perform well anywhere mm. um so i wouldn't be surprised if we see i'm not saying that ktm will dominate the season but the start of the year i was concerned that we that the season we dominated by Ducati you know we could be on the verge of of ktm domination here so for me the biggest surprise was the performance of the ktms um yeah I think biggest disappointments there could be lots of disappointments any thoughts uh about that? the yamahas again terrible yes absolutely quattro you know i expected quattro to do well at red he was nowhere in qualifying i don't know what's going on with, with yamaha uh -huh. they seem to be complete they seem to be completely at sea um i think we'll go for yamaha and kotawara with that the highlights of what did you finn any highlights for you um well i'm sure we know what joe's would be what would joe's be miller third the performance of jack miller i i would say the highlight probably be seeing both key ktms sideways under braking uh, um they're the only bike. i would say actually yep. i would say that but i i'm really happy um that the ktms are performing yeah i i i i, like I, would, I, like I would they got a really there. nice looking bike as well it is yeah we have got a very very competitive season now and yeah, yes. as, as I say, don't be surprised, Finn, if we see KTM's at the front for the rest of the season. Right, excellent. Now, the mm -hmm. talking point in Jerez was was rider penalties. It was the penalties that the stewards were handing out. Um, because, I mean, so we got this sprint race format, which, by the way, works brilliantly. Because the beauty yeah. of the sprint race is... The riders can just just ride flat out they can abuse their tires they can ride in a way they they can't ride in the main race you, you can't abuse your tires yeah. in the main race so the sprint race works brilliantly and one of the reasons for the sprint race was to to encourage more overtaking for the drivers for the riders to take risks and so on We've got a slightly silly situation mm -hmm. now where the riders are, are are taking risks they're seeing a gap they're going for it and they're being penalized by the yeah. stewards good example being Quattararo. Mm. um he was squeezed between two riders had nowhere to go um and he wasn't at fault at all but he was given a penalty by the stewards 
And I was reading today, um, who was it? Joanne Mir was saying he didn't understand why Quattro got a penalty. So it seems to be an issue with the stewards handing out penalties for riders simply seeing a gap and, and going for it. I mean, if riders aren't allowed to sort of go for gaps, then what's the point in racing? Um, mm. So that's the big issue at the moment. Hopefully, hopefully they'll get that sorted. Right, Finn, we're going to move on to Azerbaijan, the Grand Prix there. Yep. I don't even know the results. I, I think Perez won the It was race. Perez win. Perez. Oh, he got both, didn't he? Yeah, okay. he did. Right. Perez Verstappen, I think it was Leclerc third. That was in which race? The main race? Um, main race. Right. Yeah. Finn, so you watched the main race? I did. And can you give me a very brief I watched summary? Sprint. You watched both? Right, I'm going to give you a summary for the whole weekend. Um, I thought the main race was actually pretty good. Right. But um, even though the, the main race was probably a three and a bit, three and a half probably for yeah. me. But solely because the new sprint shooter thing is and the whole sprint race thing is absolutely stupid. I'm going to ah. give it a two and a half. Excellent. So that makes abs- makes absolutely no sense at all. I quite I, I I probably agree with you there, Finn. Let's take the main race first. You gave it three yeah. and a half stars. Now I read some comments online. They said there wasn't much overtaking in the main race. Is, is that right? Mm, not particularly. No. Because it as like, you know, the tussle, those nice tussles and stuff. They've shortened the DRS zones, and they said they they, they struggled to overtake yeah. a bit. Right, but you thought it was quite a good race. Let's go. Okay, the, yeah. the whole sprint race thing. I think I agree with you there, Finn. Um, I think it's mm. ridiculous that there's a yeah. separate qualifying session for the sprint race. Yeah, you've already got qualifying. Mm. Now qualifying now. The main race is moved to the Friday, isn't it? So Saturday yeah. is given over completely to the sprint race. You got this sprint race qualifying which i think is completely unnecessary because why on earth don't you use just the qualifying positions from the friday qualifying session i don't know then you got the yeah. sprint race as well my question now i didn't see the sprint race finn my question to you is this now we, we know from motor gp that the motor gp sprint is very different from the main race yeah because the riders that they, they can ride differently in in the sprint race is the sprint mm. race any different from the main race, apart from the fact that it's half the length or whatever? For the distance, they could definitely push a lot harder than they do. Yeah, I think. But well, are you seeing? Say, are you seeing? Does it? Does it? I mean, are you seeing more overtaking? Let's put it that way in the sprint race or not? No. No. See, I don't think the sprint race serves any purpose because um, the Formula One drivers, I imagine, can can push as hard in the main race as they can in the sprint race. So you're not going to see yeah. any more overtaking. I yeah. don't think. So. I think. I think our what, one of the main flaws for us is we've seen MotoGP sprint races, which is so perfect and works so well for MotoGP. I know, and we've also seen this which doesn't work so well but we're probably criticizing it because we've seen such good sprints i think i think GP you're right because the point i'm I sort of laboring the point a bit but 
the sprint race in Formula One isn't different enough from the main race. And as you say, that's because we've mm. been watching MotoGP. I've I've got an idea. I've been thinking about this. Um, okay, so so my my earlier point was you don't need a separate qualifying session. No. Here's here's the suggestion: if they want to spice things up a bit, you have the one qualifying session, and what you do is you simply reverse the qualifying order for the sprint race. Yeah. So whoever qualifies last in qualifying will be on pole for the sprint race and that would make the sprint race very very different you'll have the slowest drivers at the front the quickest drivers at the back then you'd get a completely different race you have the fast drivers coming through the field that would make the sprint race yeah. completely different from the main race so yeah that's hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high end brands. And the best part, they're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Me, if you're going to do the spread race, you need a reverse grid. Then it would be completely different. And then it would be worth watching. Um, my yeah. opinion at the moment is Friday in Formula One is worth watching because you've got the main qualifying session. Sunday is worth watching because you've yeah. got the Grand Prix. Saturday, to me, is a complete waste of time and not worth watching at all because it's all dedicated to yeah. um, a sprint race, which we believe is doesn't add anything to the weekend at all. I had a thought actually no. um, over the weekend watching the the hypercars, you know, coming out of the pits mm. on their fresh tyres which hadn't been preheated and how unbelievably slow they were. Now, I didn't, I knew nothing about Formula One doing away with tyre heaters, but I said to my brother, this is how you improve Formula One. You, 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 what, what you could do for the main race is say, look, you don't have to change tyres at all. Uh, but if you do change tyres, then your fresh tyres will, will be unheated. Because then you'd have cars going very... Cars might shoot off um, on, on soft rubber into the distance. They have their pit stop. Then they'll be really, really slow for about two or three laps trying to generate heat. In yeah. the meantime, those drivers who aren't going to stop might catch up with them. It'll be really, really interesting. So... I'm quite pleased to hear that Formula One. Are you 100% certain about that, Finn? Actually, I think. I'm not 100%, but I'm relatively sure. I think you're probably right. Going back to you saying about what um, them going a whole way on a fresh pair of tyres, yeah. and the same pair of tyres, there was. Ocon tried to do that, but right at the end, because they were going to put it on the last lap, but the, the camera crew didn't know that he'd, he needed a pit stop. The whole Red Bull pit crew didn't know he 
needed to stop as well. So he was going to come in at the last lap and finish, roll across the line on the new pair of tyres. But as soon as Ocon rolled up to the pits, the whole camera crew was there, the whole Red Bull pit crew and staff running about in the pit lane, and he still needed to stop. So as soon as he turned up to the exit, there's a massive... All the people just run, start running, and Ocon's just still driving there through the pits. Wow. It's a bit mental. So, yeah, I did hear about that. So, um, I mean, he, he could have run somebody over quite easily. So, so <laughs> easily. So, obviously, in the next race, there'll be a new ruling, won't there, whereby sort of yeah, media will have you out in the pit lane till after the checkered flag. Yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah. Was that the that was the main race then, was it? Yeah. Then, of course, you have to change tyres, don't you? Of you course. Right, so, yeah, excellent. Moving on to our predictions, let's start off with MotoGP. <laughs> Finn, your predictions, well, hold on. Yeah, your prediction, no, 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 they, they weren't optimistic. You, you, your prediction of DG Antonio getting on the podium was, was optimistic, but actually, Zarko and Bezeki were, were good predictions, but you scored nothing there. Uh, Joe... Yeah. Let's have a look. What did Joe? Joe did pretty well, actually. He had Binder to win. He obviously came second. He had Miller third. So he got 35 points. He got Miller in the right place. But Finn, I did really well. I had Badnaya to win. And I had Miller in third. So I got 50 Mm. points there. I had Crosswire in second. (laughs) Um, Formula One... (laughs) Well, we all did pretty well. You got, you had Verstappen yeah. and Perez one and two, so obviously not in the right order, but that got you twenty points. Uh, Joe yeah. got, he had Verstappen to win. Okay, but obviously not in the right position. He got ten points. I had Verstappen one and two, obviously not in the right order, so I got twenty points as well. Overall, it's quite interesting. This overall in the predictions table. You and Joe are tied 120 points each. I'm I've extended mm. my lead. I'm I'm on 225. That's over 100 ahead. So my predictions, uh-huh. uh, particularly MotoGP of late, have been really really good. Now this weekend yeah. it's the Miami Grand Prix. Um, yes. I don't think we'll meet up next week because that's really okay. There is well superbikes at Barcelona, but I think we'll have a week off. Following weekend, it's MotoGP from Le Mans, and I think we'll meet. We'll, we'll oh. meet obviously after that. So there'll be quite a lot to talk about then. So we're going to do predictions yeah. for Miami F1 and Le Mans yeah. MotoGP. Let me get my pen out. Um, now, obviously, my Formula One predictions will stay the same. Um, that's off yeah. the usual. Stappen Perez Alonso. Um, what about your Formula One predictions for Miami, Finn? What are you going for? Miami, I'm actually, what I'm going to do is I need to claw some points back. So I'm going to go for a bit of a gamble. Oh, dear. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Verstappen third. Yeah. Perez second and Alonso to win. Ooh. Yeah, that is a bit of a gamble, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that could pay off or it could backfire of course um we'll get i mean joe will email his uh, predictions um to me probably later on in the week now motor gp finn mm. 
Okay. Now, bearing in mind what happened in her game, that might influence your yeah your predictions for Le Mans. Uh huh. I'm in third. I will stick. Alea Spargo. Yeah, I mean, he was on. His season's going really badly, isn't it? But he was on pole. Yeah. It strikes me uh-huh. with the uh, Aprilia, they've got a slight issue with getting off the grid. So their whole shot device mm. isn't yeah. terribly good. Um, yeah. Okay. But, but he could well, yeah, he'll be up there in qualifying, I'm sure. Carry on. And then Miller second and Bagnaia to win. Yeah, I would say those are strong predictions. I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go first place Miller, second place mm. Bagnaya, third yeah. place Binder. So just reverse order then a bit. Of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, 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 I just think the rest of the season is going to be between Bagnaya and the two KTMs. Now, what you know what's interesting about MotoGP? At the start of the season, we were very excited about the return of Mark Marquez. You said you're excited mm. about the inter-team rivalry between Bastianini and Bagnaya. Well, yeah. Marquez and Bastianini really haven't haven't they've really started sort of one race. We've had a we've had some brilliant racing. But without Marquez and Bastianini, when those two come back in, just imagine how good it's going to be then. Yeah. So we've got be lots to look forward to. Now, Finn, I've, on the subject of things to look forward to, I've already booked my MotoGP ticket. I've sent you the link. Look at your Facebook Messenger. Show it to uh-huh. show it to Carla. Um, so I've, oh, I've actually bought a three-day race ticket. Uh, and I've also, yeah. I'm also, so it's quite good actually. Hundred pounds for three days is actually very good value. I've also booked. I'm, I'm, I'm camping for the three days as well. Camping was 150 quid for three days. Again, pretty good, pretty good value there. So have a look at that link I've sent you. Show it to Carla. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to Silverstone. Yeah, I tell you what, MotoGP uh-huh. is very good value because I was talking to. Do you know, do you remember Adam Fleming in school? Adam Fleming? Yeah. Um, he's going to the, I did. He's going to the uh, F1 at Silverstone. He's going with a group of... Trist, do you remember Tristan? You know Tristan? Yes. Tristan's going. Yeah, all right. Well, Adam's going with a group of St. John's uh, uh, lads. Mm-hmm. And they got their tickets on the day the tickets were released. Chat called Tim Holt. Uh, spent he had the day off work had the spent the whole day on on his laptop and he was in a queue of uh, probably hundreds um they yeah. got grandstand tickets at club and it cost him 600 pounds which to me is like wow that's really expensive but he said now if you wanted to buy grandstand seats at club it would cost about 1200 1200 the, the, the cost is You're joking the, yeah which which you know, you look at the prices of the MotoGP. Okay, MotoGP isn't cheap, but it's very good value when you compare it to um, uh-huh. the F1. Right. Uh-huh. I think we'll wrap it up there. So we won't we won't be around next week. We'll meet up the following week. If you can watch the Formula One, Ben, that would be great. And well done for watching the Formula One. Uh-huh. 
um, from Baku. If you watch Miami for me, I won't be watching that. I'll be watching the World Superbikes. Uh, and I'm sure you'll you'll watch the MotoGP from Mon. And we'll chat about that yeah, next time. I love, I love Le Mans. The little Bugatti, the Bugatti circuit. It's the Bugatti right? circuit. And I tell you what, I love that. It's so so nice. I, I think that might, I think it's going to really suit the KTM's. We, we saw they're very good, mm. you know, under braking for, and there's lots of hairpins at Le Mans. I can I can see Bindu and Miller getting their bike sideways. I was reading an article again. I think it was Matt Oxley. I think again was saying that. Yeah. If you if you did what Binder and Miller did on their KTM's on the Ducati, you would fall off the bike. Yeah. We've, we've seen Bagnaia fall off on a couple mm. of occasions. It seems the KTM. Yeah. You can really monster that bike. You can get it sideways, and it won't throw you off. Um, yeah. So yeah, lots to look forward to. Well, we'll we'll discuss all that in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop with Mr. Bird. There's a few new things I want to make you aware of. We've got a new website, which you can find by going online to shows.acast.com forward slash pitstop, where you can also find links to our Twitter and uh, on the about page, more information about the hosts as well. We're also on lots more platforms in addition to where you're listening to us now. So we're now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and lots more, as well as TuneIn like we've been on since we started so head over to those platforms to subscribe on the most convenient one for you and find all our back catalogue of episodes to listen to again as well